Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you, um, and it's about four and a half years since I was here last. Does anyone remember me from four and a half years ago? Hey, welcome. And uh, it's great to see how you've grown, or as you say, growing. Yeah? Practicing my best Kiwi. Talking about Kiwi, I love New Zealand because you don't use all the syllables in the words. And it's great. Um, so just a caveat, I am going to use every syllable of the English words that we used this morning. Um, just to fill out your time this morning. So uh, it's great to be here. Um, do love being here. Bring greetings from my church um, in London. Uh, bring greetings from the wider Vineyard Church family. And we are part of a big church family around the world. One of the fun things when I meet up with Matt and Jacinda, and then I've been down in Christchurch with Dave and Liz McGregor, and you know, you start to talk about the years and the decades and realize how big our church family is around the world and what God's doing. And come here, and it feels like home from home. So it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you. Um, now, Matt has asked me to share about the church. Why does church matter? If you wanted a title for today, it would be Church Matters. Yeah? Um, and there's a slight pun there on the word. Church matters and church does matter. Church matters. It's a big part of my life, church, not just as a church planter. Um, the doctor bit that Matt mentioned, um, I do lots of research about what the church is, church and culture. It's one of the things I popped to Laidlaw for when I was here. Um, so I'm going to share with you uh, something this morning about the church and why we need church. And if we just start with a, a problem, and this will be key to what I want to talk with you about this morning. For 2,000 years, Christians have risked persecution and death for the sake of meeting together in public. Did you know that? And still do in many parts of the world. Uh, there are, we have brothers and sisters around the world who will be facing persecution and the risk of torture and death for gathering together for worship. And yet, 2,000 years later, in the Western world that we're in, one of the fastest growing groups of Christians are those who no longer take part in church on a Sunday. So I want to share with you, how did we get from that imperative to be the body of Christ to... Uh, well, maybe. How did we get there? Um, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You ever heard that phrase? You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Um, it's not true. <laughs> and uh, we're going to look at why that isn't. It's a very popular claim today. And it's one that the church would never have recognized in history. Um, and I hope none of us would dream of going to the Christians around the world who are facing persecution and death and saying, just don't bother. There's nothing important about what you're doing. You don't need to gather as the church. So it's dangerous, that claim. It's damaging. That's what I want to explore with you. Now, one of the challenges is I'm, I'm preaching to the choir this morning because you're here, aren't you? Yeah? So that's part of the problem. But the reason I'm going to dig into this with you is a, a lot of us probably find uh, we may struggle ourselves with participating and our friends and other people that tell us we don't need to, we may struggle to have a response to that. So uh, we're going to press into that even though you're here. The other thing is about two-thirds of what I'm going to share with you this morning is, uh, is a sort of diagnosis of the problem, yeah? 
And it can feel at first that we're pressing into something and be a little bit like, oh. yeah? Are you up for that this morning? So just a heads up, because then we'll come back to the bit, you know, the, the sunny uplands of what we can look forward to. But Scripture does this with us many times. It said here, it will press into an issue and press into it and press into it and press into it. So we're going to do that a bit this morning. Is that okay? And then normal service with Kiwiisms will resume next week. Um, so, and five things, five short things to go through with you this morning. First one is the problem. If, we, if you have a Bible, want to turn to Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25. I think they may be up here on the screen behind me. Are they coming? They're not coming? No. So I will read them to you as my iPad has deleted them. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know that verse? And you know the spur one another on? Spurs hurt. Anyone here ever ridden a horse? You, you know the spurring on? We are supposed to dig into one another, to push each other forward. Um, towards love and good deeds, and this sentence doesn't finish. It says, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. So the writer to the Hebrews knew something, knew that turning up for worship was important, and knew that even 2,000 years ago, people were in the habit of not gathering for worship. Now, this wouldn't be in the Bible if it wasn't important. And the writer to the Hebrews knew that. And that's what we're going to unpack, I want to do with you this morning. A few things to fast forward 2,000 years and bring this passage um, in close connection for us today and say, so what's happening that we still have this problem and all Christians have for 2,000 years? Um, and the writer of the Hebrews was uh, writing this and telling us this because they knew that stopping gathering together was an indicator of something wrong. It meant there was something wrong about the faith of the people who had stopped gathering. Something, a diagnosis. You know you have things on the dashboard of your car. Um, some of you probably ignore them when they go off, don't you? Hoping that that's not important. They usually go off for a reason. And they're a warning. And that's what this is like. It's a, oh, it's a diagnostic. Um, participating in worship with Christians was the doorway to the Christian faith in the New Testament. Primarily, yes, there are other doorways. We'll, we'll touch on those. We have a phrase we use in the vineyard that the way in is the way on. Have you heard of that? And it's a, one of, it's a Wimberism. John Wimber, who was our founder, he was really great at coming up with these sound bites. Um, and what that means is that the way that we come into the Christian faith is the way that we continue in it. We don't just stop. But it also applies to this, that being gathering with God and his people and worship is often a way that people find faith a way we find faith and grow faith. And that way in is the way we carry on doing it. In fact, we get to the end of Scripture, a lot of eternity is going to spend gathering as God's people, worshipping him. Some forms of church, the Greek Orthodox Church, they believe that what they do every Sunday is what they will do forever in eternity. That's how important for some parts of the wider church gathering is. Uh, let me flip this round, last bit on the problem. Whatever we participate in on a Sunday, now sometimes we have to work, some of us have jobs on a Sunday, 
But many of us don't. We have a weekend. And what everybody is doing on a Sunday is probably the most important thing in their life. They've been at work all week. And what happens on a Sunday, what they do, reveals what they think life is about. For many people, it might be surfing or hobbies or fishing or golf. Do we have any golfers here? Golf takes too long, far too long. Um, or family, or we know that, don't we? we know that instinctively, don't we? That where we put ourselves every week and what we give our time, energy, and money to, we do when we have the choice because it's the most important thing in our lives, don't we? We know that. Um, so this is the problem. It's a problem, it's a manifestation. So let's unpack that uh, with three things and then come to the solution or a response. Um, the numbers. Not participating in the church. Is, it's been happening a lot in the UK. Um, in the last 30 years, population of the UK is around about 60 million people. Yeah, uh, Where I live in London, it's about 12 million. It gets a little bit dense sometimes and crazy. Um, but it's gone, they reckon, from 5.2 million people down to 3.2 million people in the last 30 years. That's people who would maybe even just come at Christmas and Easter. So that's at best 5% of the population. Now, there's a thing called the Wilberforce Association in New Zealand. So they're proper Christians doing proper research. And I'm a proper researcher, so I was looking at their stats. They did a survey um, in 2018, so last year, and they found that church attendance in New Zealand, people that come regularly, i.e. monthly, Never mind weekly, monthly has become a lot for many people. People that come monthly is down to 17% as an average in New Zealand. Now, live in Auckland, yeah? Sodom and Gomorrah, isn't it? It's <laughs> a joke, by the way. <laughs> come on, you lot. If I said that about London, everyone would go, absolutely. I mean, you're Auckland, yeah? The big smoke, yeah? Civilization as well. Uh, you have up here. You have the beaches and sunshine and civilization. Um, but uh, so the percentages for Auckland are going to be much lower, aren't they? And they are. And then there are other parts of New Zealand where there'll be like the Bible Belt, and you'll go, it's kind of strange because more people go to church there. But on average, 17%. It's a lot higher than the UK. Parts of America, bad parts are 25%, high parts are 50%. But the story is this church decline is going like this in the West. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Did you know that? Do you know one of the safest places to hide from Jesus is in the church? Christians have been doing it for thousands of years. Just come in, keep your head down, and Jesus will leave you alone. People know that. That's why they do it. So going to church doesn't make you a Christian. But if you are a Christian, you should be going to church, or you're not really a Christian. And that's probably the most scandalous thing I'm going to say today. And lots of your friends, you may be offended by it, and some of the people that you know would be. Not going to church is probably a sign that you're becoming less of a Christian. Now, it depends what you mean by a Christian. If a Christian is someone that just believes in Jesus and doesn't have to do anything for the rest of the life and it not make any difference, then of course you don't need to go to church. But if being a Christian is being part of the body of Christ and the people of God for the mission of Jesus in the world, and Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples, to do all of that, you have to do it with other people. 
Um, all these things in Scripture that tell us it's the body of Christ. But if you want to be a private Christian on your own and hope to go to heaven when you die and hope things work out, then sure, don't have anything to do with the church. And that's the problem that we've landed on, that Christianity has been reduced to something that happens when we die, not something for when we live. Now, in the, you, we know attendance is important. You know it's important. If you are a regular in the life of the church and you, you, you start to go, what's happened to Fred? Sorry if there are any Freds here in the room. Do we have any Freds? I'll pick on Fred. Um, so if Fred starts to come less often and you go, I haven't seen Fred for a while. Normally, you know that means something, don't you? Is he busy? Is he tired? Has he, you know that phrase, backslidden? Is he ill? We know that usually means something. Has he gone to a better church? <laughs> Probably. Yeah? Same way in the UK. Um, there was a thing recently on slight uptake in attendance in churches in the UK. Um, and mostly, actually, from immigration. People moving to the UK who are Christians. So South Africans, Brazilians... Um, probably similar demographics here in New Zealand, people moving. And people that are coming to the UK in large numbers, but then gathering together as God's people. Um, and, what they've, and even our secular newspapers, who have nothing to do with religion and don't understand Christianity, go, oh, that's important. We know that, don't we? There's nothing good about church attendance doing this. There is something good about when it does that. We know that. Even our secular press knows that. So it's normal for Christians to be part of a church and take part in a church. And yet we've arrived at a point where the justifications for not gathering and worshipping go unchallenged. I'm tired. Do you ever have that one? Everyone in London's tired. I bet no one's tired in Auckland, are they? Because you, you have a complete surfeit of time here, don't you? I mean, I know it's a beautiful country, so I assume that with a beautiful country means you have loads of time, none of you are tired, none of you are busy, are you? No one. No one's working on a Sunday to catch up with stuff. Tired and busy. And we say that to one another. We go, oh, it's just a season. I'm just, I'm going to dig in and get my email box empty this Sunday. And we do that for a few weeks, and we do things. And... This is where I move on to the third of five things. Christianity, so that was, first one was the problem, then by the numbers, why attendance matters. Third thing, Christianity is a contact sport. Now at this point, and for some people, if they get, ever get to listen to this, will probably think, how, how judgmental, I often get accused of this, how churlish I am. You know, Jason, you just don't understand life. You know, you're just, you're just a pastor banging on about why you want more people in your church, Yeah? Well, if that's what you think, you're probably not going to listen to anything else I say. Um, but I became a Christian when I was 17. The church saved my life. And if I didn't have a church I could have gone to visit to see people worshipping God, I wouldn't be a Christian today. And it literally saved my life. And by the way, I'm going to finish with looking at how most people in the Western world come to faith through visiting the church of a friend. Not through hanging out with their friends who don't want to be part of church anymore. Um, so it, it can sound, it already feels it, doesn't it? Can you feel that, just to talk about this topic? There are certain topics as Christians that you find very difficult to talk about in public anyway, don't we? Because the world doesn't understand them. 
But going to church regularly starts to be, well, don't, don't be so religious. You ever felt that pressure? It's not religious. Um, I belong to a motorcycle group, and I was once on the board of it, and there's like 500 members. And, and I remember sometimes I do get like tired of people's commitment in our church can be sort of so take it or leave it. And then they're sitting around, and they're going, we've got five, 400 members in our motorcycle group. And one of them said, I'm sick and tired of the same few people doing everything. These people say that motorbike riding is the most important thing in life. And why are they never here? Why do they never turn up? And it was like, I mean, we know that instinctively. If you're part of a club or a society, if it's important, what do you do? You turn up. And turning up is something. There is something at stake. This third of five things I want to share with you is, is vital. There is something we ignore at our peril, and I want to highlight young people in particular. Now, there's a thing called the British Social Attitude Survey in the UK. You, you have similar things here, and in the West, it's the same in New Zealand, the same in the UK, same in America. I know our cultures are very different. I know America's crazy. I know that you're sane, and I know that we're... We're insane as well at the minute, but we used to be a bit more sane. We've got a lot more in common. Um, and the Commonwealth, yes, go Commonwealth, um, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, so, and in this survey of young people, and I could point you to, wouldn't take long to find them for here, and I can point you to ones for America. Um, people of different religions often do something similar when they're, you know, they go they're at high school, don't want to be engaged in their religion, go off to university, go away. But later in life, they often come back to the religion of their family for lots of reasons, culturally, socially, and, and have a chance of coming back to it. If you are white and Western and your children have nothing to do with church, there is a 95 or higher percentage chance that they will never engage with the Christian faith, ever. So I remember once I was speaking somewhere a few years ago, and some guy said, oh, I'm letting my kids make up their own mind. They can, find, they can come to faith later on in life. I don't want to enforce anything on them. I said, you are almost guaranteeing that your kid will never come to faith. Jesus can do miracles. People do become Christians later in life. Are you listening to me? So we have to be careful when we say this doesn't matter. The consequences are immense. And we've, this is what's happening in the UK. Mostly white, middle-class Christians caught up with clubs and societies and busyness and tiredness and life think that it's okay and it doesn't matter, and they are staring at the abyss of why all of their children want nothing, not just to do with church, but with Jesus. There's a thing called therapeutic moralistic deism. And this is what young people are being brought up on in Christian families who hardly ever go to church. They're being told, God is there for an emergency to make you feel good. Therapy? Deism. God is not really involved in everyday life. He's there in emergencies. And moralism, just don't kill people and take drugs. That's what Christianity gets reduced to for young people. The statistics are horrendous. Um, uh, my wife is a different generation. She grew up in church where she went to Sunday. Some of you may have done this. She went to a church in the morning, church in the evening, Sunday school in the afternoon, small groups in the week, and loved it. And I once sat down and worked out the number of hours between naught and 18 that she spent in contact with the Christian uh, life, never mind the things she did outside church. And it was about 5,000 hours. And then I went and asked our kids' team, about what the median was for contact with the kids in our church who come once a month. 
and then often away at other times of the year. And probably by the time they're 18, they may have had about 400 hours. 5,000 hours, 400 hours. And we wonder why with the next generation, they don't know the Christian faith as well. It's just the numbers don't add up. There are 8,760 hours in a, in, in a year. Did you know that? Uh, the average parent gets to be in contact with their kids for 3,000 hours, and the church gets 20 to 30 hours a year. And if we wonder why dropping our kids off once a month leads them to a radical life of faith, it often doesn't. But never mind the kids. Think of ourselves. You see... Everything else is screaming at you. Everything else, you have stuff on the TV every day, in your email, asking for your attention and your money and your time with no, with no fear whatsoever to ask you. Give me all your money. This is amazing. Come and sign up for this. Give me all the time that you don't have. This is amazing. But when it comes to Christianity, oh, we've just got to get it to fit in. Beliefs are cheap and changeable. Habits, what we do, is everything. Did you get that? There's one another important thing today. You can tell me what you believe. Let me see what you do. Let me see what, where your money goes. Let me see where your time goes. No matter how tired and busy you are, you will give your time to things that are the most important. Show me what you do, and I'll see what you really believe. So, fourth thing. Almost done on that, and then I'll give you the last one to finish. Um, Another one, you know, we don't need to go to church to be a Christian, uh, that's sort of along there. I don't go to church, I am the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. Have you ever heard that? Um, and again, it's one of those phrases that seems to make sense, but it is nonsense. So let me turn that, take the lo total logic of that sentence and apply it to something else. I don't need to go home to my family, I am my family. Isn't that ridiculous? Do you see how we, we say things that sort of seem to make sense? We are the church. Church is something you do. Family is something you do. You go home. And by the way, what do you call a parent who never goes home and stays at work or does their hobbies? You call them a crap parent, don't you? <laughs> a parent that's probably not going to have much of a family. You know, most of family life is just about turning up and yet for some reason with Christianity we think those rules that apply to the rest of life don't even apply to church never mind whether church is more important and yes church is not a building this church is not this space it's the people in it yeah just like my family are not the house that I live in but the house facilitates us being a family you can't separate the things. My family would be very different if we didn't have a house to live in. It would affect you significantly. And we live in this consumer society and world that says to us that you can use everything in life for something else. And here's the punchline to, to the problem. We are brought up in the Western world and we're told that everything in life is there to get you something else, including the church. Yeah? 
And here's what that looks like with attendance. Sometimes there are people that turn up in my church, someone just the last few weeks did. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I haven't seen them all year. It's nearly the end of the year. And my first thought is, it's lovely to see them. My second thought is, what awful thing has happened to them to bring them here? Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. See, some of us only come when we haven't got something else on. Some of us only come when the resources for life get so difficult that, oh, I better go to church because I'm not coping on my own. And I said, hello, hi, how are you? And they told me that their son had had cancer and serious operator and thought, that's why you're here. She said, I just needed to be with God's people. I didn't say, because I'm a kind pastor, what about the rest of the year? Do you know what I mean? Why would you go through life? life ha- Have any of you noticed that life happens? And I'm not saying that to deride her. My heart breaks. It's like you don't just have to be here when something awful happens. Or you haven't got something else to happen. So, and if I'm going to share something theological with you and from the Bible, it's this. And that's what I believe the writer to the Hebrews is saying in that passage about don't give up meeting together. And translating it for our consumer culture. Church is not one choice amongst all your other choices in life. Church is the one choice that you make that brings order to all of your other choices. The body of Christ and God's people and the mission of God in the church, including gathering as his people, is the choice that Christians are called to make and to order all their other choices. Not as something to help with all their other choices. Do you get the difference? Do you get the difference, church? Well, let me tell you a story before I do the last bit to illustrate that. My daughter is 26 now, but when she was a late teenager, is very into dance and performing arts and was reaching that difficult thing. And I went through it with my kids with various degrees of um, success and failure. Um, and the progression to the next thing was going to be on a Sunday. And that thing as a parent, when you're like, I, and you know, given that I've done all this research, I'm like, how am I going to navigate that with her? Because if I do that thing that some parents do, oh, it doesn't matter, you can come back to church later, I know that that is a lie. What she will learn is, like other young people, that church is something you come back to in an emergency. Well, just like as an aside, nothing's changed. I became a Christian when I was 17, and I noticed this. All my friends whose parents told them to take the summer off because of their exams from church, they never took time off from their hobbies or the parties or the other things to get them through life, but church was optional. And what my friends were learning when I was 17, and I see this with our youth pastor, he says the same thing happens to some of our youth. Their parents say... Do all those other things because you need that to get through your exams. But church, get back to later. And what do we learn? You don't need church unless it's an emergency. It's optional. Anyway, so my daughter's going through this. And I'm thinking and praying, oh, Lord, how am I going to... I don't want to be one of those dads that says, you must be in church because I know that's not going to work. I wanted her to want to be there, yeah? Well, it all worked out okay. She came back fuming. Slammed the front door. She still does that. She's very loud. <laughs> Slams the front door, is talking about what's going on in her life. And she said, I can't believe, and talked about whoever the head of her dance class was. Can't believe what she said to me. I said, what did she say to you? 
She said, she said, she was talking about the autumn and going to the next, she said, are you going to be there? And, I, and all I said to her was, do you know, I'm not sure uh, whether I'm going to be able to come. I've got to think through because I'm with my parents and I'm involved in church on Sunday. And then she said, and my dance teacher then said this to me, Anna, you need to understand, dance is a way of life. It's a language. Drama, performance. And if you think that you can just come to this drama place whenever you feel like it, you've misunderstood how important drama is. And then my daughter, she said to me, Dad, that's what you're always talking about, churches. How does this woman not get the difference? Like, it's fine for her to ask me to give up my life for something important, but she obviously doesn't realize how important church is to me. Did you, did you get the distinction? But it didn't finish there, thank Jesus. Because then the dance teacher said to my daughter, oh, by the way, Anna, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You can pray to God at home on your own. Lots of Christians say that to one another, but here was someone who wasn't a Christian. And do you know what my daughter she said? She said, who the hell does that woman think she is to tell me how to practice my faith? And I'm like, ooh. Okay. Was that too forceful, church? And she went, she had to make a decision in that moment. Was church going to be an option for everything else? And in that interaction from someone who had the audacity to tell her that Christianity was less than her hobby, she made that realization. No, my faith is, comes first. And we said, what are you going to do? And God provided amazingly. A woman turned up in our church in performing arts. who was a Christian who set up a Christian class and school um, in the area. And, it was, and there were nothing that they did on a Sunday so that people could be involved in church. God provided for her. It was wonderful. Um, so... Lastly, what is the church? Got a few minutes left. Are you all right? You with me? Remember the problem? We're starting to get to the solution. So what is the church? And this bit I've put the beauty of attending and taking part and participating. Um, little sub-points. I'm going to throw these out at you just to bless you. Finding faith. Surveys of people. I mentioned this earlier on, didn't I? It still remains in... in I did this, I had a quick look online for New Zealand as well. If you say, where do people expect to go if they're interested in finding out about Jesus? Where do people go? The church. For some reason, people still think the church might be about Jesus. And they go there. And they go to the most boring, ordinary churches as well. It's only Christians who are tired of church and want it to be super cool most people who've never been to church or haven't been to church for decades will go to churches that you and I would think far too irrelevant and uncalled. The statistics show us that God uses almost any kind of church if people go to it to find out about him. We, uh, a little while ago, and I've been reminded of this, my wife and I, uh, we have a dog walker, a lovely lady. She walks our dogs, and she invited us to her 40th birthday, and I said yes to it. My wife said, why are we going to this she said, we've got enough things going. I said, I just think we should go. And Emma's lovely. And we went. And we were in this pizza restaurant meeting all these strange... It was brilliant because there's all these different people. The, the only thing we have in common is the dog walker. And most of them, like, you know, when they found out what we did, it was like, pastors, ooh, weird. Um, but we sat with this lady. And as we sat there, it was like there was an atmosphere around her. And I just thought, it was like I could feel the Holy Spirit. And I said, I was thinking, I wonder if you're a Christian. You know when you meet someone and you just sense something? Well, it turns out she's not. But when she asked what we did, she said, oh. She said, I've been thinking about going to church. 
similar age to us. And I thought, hmm, I've learned a few things over the years. Maybe I'll invite her. <laughs> Maybe God's doing something. I said, oh, would you like to come to ours? She said, oh, I might do. So we WhatsApped each other and swapped messages. And then my wife bumped into her in the middle of the week. And she went, oh, that's a coincidence. <laughs> After talking to you, my wife goes, maybe it's not a coincidence. Maybe it's a God incident. No, my wife never said that. That was too cheesy. <laughs> um, and then I came into church on the Sunday. My wife said, guess who's here? And this lady was there. And she was blown away. She brought her daughter Daughter went into the youth, loved the youth. Next Sunday, she wasn't there. The daughter was there, but the husband was there because the daughter wanted to come back. Week after, they were both there. She was crying. She got prayer. He got prayer. This week, I've come here. My wife had coffee with her. She's coming on the Alpha course and saying, I don't know what's going on, but you've got something that we want, and we want to find out more. All that from a pizza. And do you want to come to our church? In power of invitation, church. By the way, you could double the size of your church. Just invite. I, I could have, I would have, we've focused on this in our church. And celebrate when people say no to you. Because sometimes people need to hear it many times before they come. I've been thinking about that. Um, another thing about church, ministering to God. Church is not about you. We do that in the vineyards. One of the things we learned from John Wimby is say, worship is not about you. And we think worship is, oh, I want to feel better. I need something from God. But the primary purpose of worship we learned in the vineyard is that God is God and we are not. And we come to worship him. Think of everything in your life. Sport. Maybe your partner where you have adored them and they have been the center of your life. That is a little bit about what worship is supposed to be. God, you are God. Oh, when I sing those songs, I realize that I... I'm not the center of life. You are. That's what being a Christian is, by the way. To put God at the center is why we get together each week. Because the rest of life out there will train us that you are what life is about. So that when you come back in here occasionally, you will use God for the life out there. Instead of encountering God here to go out and take him to other people. Was that a woohoo? Oh, gosh. You're very... Never get that in my church. Where was that? Could you come on the plane back home with me and release that? Woohoo! Fantastic. <laughs> oh, I'm just over time. I'm nearly done. All right, got a couple of minutes. Great, good. Ministering to God. Imagine that. Why do you go to church? Because I have to. Because we go to worship God. Doesn't matter how you feel. God is God. You are not. But we live in a world that wants to tell you, you are. God, you are God. I'm just throwing these at you. These are all separate things. Finding faith, ministering to God, a couple more. Mission. Intimacy with God is about mission. You don't gather here so that we can feel good and have nice houses and holidays. You gather here because you go out to invite people to things, to have their lives changed forever, to meet Jesus, to pray for people, to care for the sick. And if you remember what Jesus said the kingdom was, the kingdom of God is right at hand. It's closer than anything you've come in with today, including, including all the things that you are really struggling with, tiredness and depression and anxiety and abuse and worries and finances. And Jesus says to you, the kingdom of God is at the threshold of all the things that you've brought in with you. 
Now pray for the sick, cast out demons, care for the poor, and see what I do with you. That's why you need a church, by the way. Because you need a bunch of other people that go, yeah, he really meant it, and it does happen. Don't go home. Don't hide away. I know you're busy, but put your busyness to death. Let's go and pray for the sick. I know you've got no money. Let's do this really amazing thing where you give it to the poor and see what God does with it. Death and resurrection, mission. A little phrase that we use in our church is, are you a guest or are you a host? And some people go through the Christian life for decades and they are a perpetual guest in their own church. Do I want to go? Was Matt good today or rubbish like usual? I was getting better. I've got, to, yeah, I've got to do something rude about him, haven't I? Oh, come on, you're Kiwis. You're really rude to each other. Uh, I noticed in England, we're rude about each other. We're rude about ourselves, but Kiwis are brutal with each other. It's fantastic. Um, anyway, and some of you are going to go home and go, it was really nice to have a good speaker for once at church. But, apart from when Jacinda's speaking, of course, and Jacinda spoke at our church, and people said the same, it's nice to have someone who's good... Instead of Jason. But do you know what I mean? Do you know the difference between a guest and a host? If you're a guest, you're always, did it work for me? The host is, I'm here. This is a growing church. You've really grown. And I won't embarrass anyone who's visited here today. But churches are dying and declining. And people are brave. And they come through that door. And they come here thinking, will I find God? And you can either be obsessed with yourself or go, woohoo! It's awesome here. Come and meet God. Host the party. That's why they're regularly saying, get involved, sign up, serve. Not to get jobs done, but to host the party for the King of Kings. Give me a woohoo. I know there's a woohoo somewhere. Fantastic. Last bit. And then identity. Let me finish with a metaphor. Um, At the root of all of this is about Christian identity. Remember I said it's what we do, not what we say. Um, And see if this metaphor will uh, work with you. Um, Can the band come back, please, the worship team? So um, have any of you given up smoking? Yeah, there's a few people here. Um, I've never had that problem, um, giving up smoking. I've been a workaholic. I've had my own addictions in life. Um, one of the things that they, uh, bio behavioral scientists know about smoking and non-smoking is there comes a point, for most people who are trying to give up smoking, it's very, very difficult because they are a smoker. And every time someone says, do you want a cigarette, their identity is called into question and they have to go, no, until eventually something happens. They realize they have become a non smoker. Now the reason if you don't smoke it's easy to say no is you're not a smoker. No. You don't even have to think about it. Does that make sense? This whole guest host thing and participation and everything I've said I want to distill down to this one metaphor. Some of us, it's the diagnostic for us, treat the Christian life as if we're smokers and non-smokers. Am I going to go to church this week? Will I get a small group or whatever you call them? Am I going to give? And and the reason that we find it difficult to engage in the Christian faith is we're like the smoker trying to become the non-smoker. And the most important thing of all is to deal with your identity. It's why worship here is important. Because we get to say, God, you are God, I am not. And when he says, go, we go, okay. Because that's who we are. Does that make sense?